You're listening to the Pure Fury Creations Entertainment Network. Views and opinions expressed on this episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or philosophies of the PFC Entertainment Network or any of the affiliates that make this show possible. This show has also been rated M for mature audiences only. Bueller. Bueller. Now this baby hits 88 miles per hour. You're gonna see some serious. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. Now don't call me Shirley. Inconceivable! He slimed me. Get to the chopper! Nobody can stay here. I'll be back. Wax on. Wax off. Go ahead. Make my day. Sweep the leg. Here, here. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. This is Power Trippin' Through the 80s with Jason Klaus and Sean Grugel on the PFC Entertainment Network. And with that, we welcome you to Power Trippin' Through the 80s here on the PFC Entertainment Network. I'm going to tell you right out of the gate, sir. <laughs> you are an asshole for doing that to me. While the- yeah. You, you got Jason the Basher Klaus and Sean the Flasher Grugel here on Power Trippin' Through the 80s. <laughs> we're, we're trying to... <laughs> We are pulling the curtain back a little bit here. We've made no bones about the fact that we are, I am, trying to get used to Riverside.fm with this. And in playing with this this morning, early this morning, while you were at work, I was trying to get things more, you know, to flow easily. And I'm like, well, what does this button do? And then it opens up this whole new thing where it allows us to pull up and play the signature, the rating, and the open. Well, as people can go into Riverside to watch this, or what they will be able to if we don't just upload it to YouTube, it gives us that that avenue. Well, as the signature was playing, Sean decides to, to be funny and try to break me. Because, and I did. <laughs> you know, and it's like, man... If I start laughing and the microphone picks up, is it going to cancel out what's being played live? Because that's how this thing works. As soon as we start talking, the program registers out, okay, well, we're overriding the signature or the theme or whatever. I'm like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, don't. Don't make it audible. But you're a butthole for doing that. I just want you to know. Uh, I, I noticed towards the end there, you just weren't looking at the screen anymore. <laughs> I quit looking at the screen. And I'm like, all right. We're just going to uh, let's just play out. We'll come on the air and we'll see how, how it rolls here. So 
it's one of those things. It's one of the changes that we are embarking on here with the network and with the individual shows. So hopefully, again, by the time June rolls around, it's going to be a seamless uh, transition over to Riverside.fm. But, uh, you know, you talk about <laughs> the different changes going on. Uh, by the time this show drops, pfcnetwork.net will officially be the new website domain for our website. Wildman Williams has already, if you go on there right now at this point, SeanKlausOfTheHeart.net, uh, Wildman Williams uploaded a new column this morning. So that's on there. And uh, with that, he has broken down the last couple of weeks of uh, what shows dominated the download rates for the network. So something to look forward to there. <coughs> still, uh, still very much a work in progress, but we're, you know, we're we're committed to providing our fans, our listeners, our viewers, the absolute best possible content that we have at our disposal. So we appreciate your patience. With all that being said, how are you, pal? Uh well, let's just get into it. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll just go ahead and pretty much kind of elaborate on a post I made here uh, earlier in the week on Thursday. Um, I don't discuss my medical issues. That's just not a thing for me. I have family members who always are talking about their medical issues. So one of the things, only a few close people knew about and you were one of them was the fact that uh when general david uh, linder passed away general state passed away i made a conscious effort to start going to the doctor and to take care of myself because uh, uh dave's passing was the reason for that decision because dave wouldn't go to the doctor so i decided i was having medical issues when he passed away Make a long story short, through my blood work, they found out that I had latent gastrointestinal tuberculosis, which latent means that it wasn't fully developed yet. My immune system was suppressing it. And for the last seven months, I have been going through treatments to cure this tuberculosis before it became a problem. And on Thursday, uh, my wife and I got the news I've been waiting for for seven months, and I am uh, completely clear of the tuberculosis. It has been uh, evacuated from my body, so to speak. And uh, quite frankly, I broke down in the parking lot as we were leaving. My wife didn't realize how much stress this had me under. And uh, I, I, you know, I'm not a religious person, but God is good. Thank God for doctors. And uh, just, uh, I'm, I'm super happy to be here. So that's all I got to say about that. So I feel great. I, you know, I'm super happy that you're, you know, not just still here, but you're here for the long run. And, uh, you know, Sean, I, you've known me long enough to know anybody that's listened to me long enough to know, like there's silver lining and everything. We just don't know, always know what it is at that particular point in time. And when you talk about moments in life, that we deem the absolute worst, like losing your best friend and things of this nature. 
in the moment, it's the most awful thing that there ever was. But even in instances like that, there is some degree of silver lining. We just don't always see it in real time. Sometimes it takes some time to uh, materialize. And as heartbreaking as losing Dave was, especially for you, I mean, for anybody that loved him, if you knew Dave Linder, you loved it. You loved him. He was just one of those guys. Um, but the silver lining with his passing is it prompted you to go get checked out. And because of that, that has, um, number one, added years to your life, and number two, avoided a very serious situation. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things I will chalk that up as, you know, that's part of his legacy. You know, yeah. That's going to be re remembered as part of his legacy. Had that not happened, you had not, you would not have gone to your doctor to get this blood work done, and in turn, you wouldn't have figured out anything was wrong until things were on a much more dire level. So, I I can appreciate that, and uh, you know, as sorry as I continue to be that Dave's not here, uh, it it takes things like this. To really show that there is that silver lining, you just, sometimes we just have to be patient. Now, the flip side of that is, um, I I get, you know, selfishly, I get extended time with you, and uh, <laughs> you know, we and I, I don't know how far in the weeds you want to go into this part, but there were a few instances yesterday where, in fleeting moments. Uh, it was not lost on me what Sean Grugel means to me as an individual. And that was on full display in very brief moments. It, it could have been during the course of a couple of hours that we spent together yesterday or in one instance that comes to mind, 25 seconds that we spent out in the parking lot walking back into uh, a particular venue. And, you know, it just an exchange of a few words, but it was, you know, the most impactful words that I heard on that day. So, you know, that's yeah. what puts life in perspective. We can, uh, we can go into the weeds. We can, we can tell the listeners what we did yesterday. Uh, because let's face it, people who shouldn't have been in the know are in the know now. And, uh, we, uh, had a bit of a memorial for Dave yesterday because we didn't get that closure with him. Um, not exactly sure why we didn't have that closure, um, but I had his son, uh, his ex-wife, and a few other people, um, you included, my wife and son, uh, come to Holly Lanes, and we did what the general loved to do. We uh, did a little bit of bowling. I did a whole lot of drinking, which was crazy because I haven't drank in seven months. Yeah, you did. And... and uh, Something more of a silver lining happened yesterday. Um, something we could probably talk about later once plans are firmly in place. But uh, all in all, it was a it was a great day yesterday. It was a great tribute to a great guy, and I was so happy that you were there to be a part of it, brother. I what wouldn't have missed it. I told you that yeah. yesterday. I I was not going to miss that, and and 
like there was a a degree of panic that had set in for me when I realized that the daddy daughter dance was scheduled for that same day. And I'm like, how in the hell am I going to do this? Because I can't miss either one of these things. Now, as it turned out, um, I mean, without any issues whatsoever, I was able able to do both. And it wasn't, uh, one wasn't compromised for the other. It's like everything played out the way that it should be. Dave Linder was a very special person in, in my world, too. Um, for, you know, for different reasons than he was for yours, because I knew him differently than, than you did. You guys had a bond that is untouchable. Um, you know, my my experience was with him, you know, albeit as very meaningful and personal, and he was one of my favorite, favorite people in life. Um, I was not going to miss that. And, and, and I knew what that meant to you and why that had to happen. You needed that closure. You said it several times yesterday. I needed this. I needed this. Fuck, dude, I know you did. I could see it. I could feel it. And, you know, that's one of, one of those things where that's like you were, uh, I think you were taking your bag back out to the car or whatever, and I had stepped out too. And, you know, us telling each other that we love each other, like that's, you know, one of those moments that put life in, in perspective. And, but it was because of what we were there for. I had never stepped foot in that building until yesterday. Driven by a thousand times. Never stepped foot in. Um, and, you know, and again, we'll go more into detail later on down the road as we get there, but there was there was a reason why that happened. And it just so happens that the general, um, if, if, what, what, whether it happened organically or what have you, he is uh, he's the reason why things are going to be happening for us here later on down down the line. And again, it's part of his legacy. That's part of who and what what he was to you, to me, to everybody that knew and loved. Him. So uh, I'm glad that you got to have that moment. I'm glad I got to shake his son's hand for the first time ever. Um, I could feel it, and I was so privileged to be a part of that. So thanks for, yeah. for inviting me. Oh, I wouldn't have had it any other way, bro. Um, it was so funny because you said it and I said it too. There was a couple times in the middle of all that noise that was going on and amongst all the ruckus and amongst all the laughter, amidst all the camaraderie, you and I both heard Dave. Couldn't make out what he was saying, but we heard Dave. He was, it was the wildest thing. It was like he was there. It was, it was pretty surreal. So, his yeah. his presence was very much felt, and uh, kudos to you, to everybody that put that, you know, made that happen. Yeah, special thanks to Brian Abishan and the staff at Holly Lanes. I mean, incredible people. The bartender there, she was incredible. Brian, being the owner of the bowling alley, went out of his way to buy our entire party a round of Dave's favorite drink, the breakfast shots. And it, it was just, I had an amazing time. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I really am. And speaking of amazing times, we can go back and uh, look at 
our childhood in the 1980s. And, uh, you know, movies have been a reoccurring theme here on the show since, you know, in the year plus that we've been doing this now at this point. Um, would you believe that I found a list? The damn you say. That, that's got to be a shirt on the front. You believe I got a list on the back? The damn you say. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I'm uh I'm making notes. You're making mental notes. Well, yeah, so well, what's it going to be today, Jason? Are we going to be talking about sports movies of the 80s? We're going to be talking about horror movies of the 80s. What are we talking about today? No and no. We are going to be talking about the top 10 superhero movies of the 1980s. And before anybody gets all bent out of shape about this list, I need to reiterate this was movies that came out in the 1980s. This was before the Avengers. This was before the, ex the explosion of Marvel Studios. So you're not going to hear Captain America. You're not going to hear Iron Man. You're not going to hear a lot of Spider-Man and all these because this is before the big boom in comic book cinematic movies. So we're talking movies, so you're not going to probably see The Incredible Hulk. No. You are not going to see The Greatest American Hero. No. You are not going to be talking about B.A. Baracus in the A-Team. Were they really superheroes? In my view. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we are talking about movies that were released as major motion pictures during the course of the 1980s. Now, what comes in at number one, I believe, is undisputed, in my opinion. There are going to be some of these in here. There's at least one, maybe two, I did not see, I'm not familiar with. There's other ones on this top ten list that you wouldn't believe made the top ten list. But I was happy about it because these movies resonated with me. For example, coming in. At number 10. Now, this is according to our our good friends over at Ranker.com. Oh, our good friends. <laughs> F.U. Ranker. This is going to be fun. Well, it's better than ListWoo.com, which you know, <laughs> has been a uh, reoccurring joke on the flagship show with Nikki Falsoni. Um, but coming in at number 10 is the 1986 cinematic masterpiece known as Howard the Duck. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Howard the Duck gets shit on a lot for what it is. The premise of it is absolutely asinine. I understand that. I don't put a whole lot of stock in the reality base of this movie. But, man, when this came out, and I don't, I don't know if it was the wise-ass dialogue that the main character had, if it was the fact that Lorraine... Uh, McFly was in this in the supporting role. I'm talking about Leah Thompson. Or the fact that Jeffrey Jones goes under uh, a tremendous metamorphosis into the Dark Lord. But this was a fun fucking movie for me, man. Where's Howard the Duck at on your list? I'm actually jealous of Howard the Duck because he got to sleep with Leah Thompson in this movie. Um, which is kind of weird because... You know, that kind of puts a bestiality angle on it. But 
he was a talking duck, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that part was a little weird for me, but Jeffrey Jones, I mean, look what kind of freak he turned out to be. <laughs> but it was a fun movie, man. Uh, when they're on stage and they're actually singing Howard the Duck and he goes into the guitar solo, you know, it was it was all right. It was okay. I dug it. I, it's, it's one of those mindless fun movies. It's one of those that if I see it streaming somewhere on one of these apps, I and I've got some time, I'm going to dedicate to, like, I, I need a release from real life. I'm going to sit down and spend two hours to watch the movie. If I see that thing on, I'm, that's, I'm turning it on. But I don't see how they call him a superhero. I mean, I know Howard the Duck was supposed to be a superhero in the comic books. I think he used guns and it was like an intergalactic type Avenger or something like that. And this one, he was the master of quack foo and a music manager. I wonder if the premise is is because it spans multiple worlds. He has to go through space, you know, because that's generally a lot of the tie-ins to a lot of superhero movies. Does it happen intergalactically? Do they have superpowers, things of this nature? Now, he didn't have a superpower, but he is an alien life form from another planet that comes, you know, gets sucked into Earth. Well, I mean, if this is the case, then then E.T. should be a superhero by your definition because he's come from outer space and he actually had superpowers. You know, he can make dead flowers live with his finger. And, uh, yeah, and he he connected mentally, telepathically with Elliot. Right. So that should make E.T. a superhero. I agree. We're only at number 10 here on the list. Well, and and they were both directed by Steven Spielberg, right? Howard the Duck was uh, directed by Steven Lisberger. Um, But I feel like Spielberg may have been executive producer or something. Okay. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. It doesn't tell me this on this. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was looking at the next one. William Hoyak was the director of Howard the Duck. Uh, Steven Lisberger was the director in our next entry, coming in at number nine. And this is one that uh, I don't necessarily feel like it needs to be on a superhero list. But here it is, coming in at number nine, is Tron. Were you, and I know we've kind of touched on Tron before. I was not a fan of this movie. The thing of the the whole premise of it was uh, I don't know if it was just too much for me at the time. I did, it, it became too complicated. I didn't like the visuals, but like Tron just does not register with me. The actual movie itself was boring. Um, though right behind me, you can see my favorite arcade machine being the Tron machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the light cycles were badass. The costume, I liked the lighting. You know, it broke a lot of lot of uh, barriers and created a lot of technological advances for the movie industry. Um, so in that aspect, I think Tron's great. But if you're going to sit down and watch a movie, it is definitely the cure for insomnia. (laughs) 
I can't argue with that. Um, and that's kind of what this write-up it indicates is it low-key says that the story premise sucked balls, but, you know, what made the movie stand out was much like you said, the groundbreaking technology, the computer-generated imagery creating this cyber universe. And that's what resonated with fans because there was a lot of special effects that were used in this movie that hadn't been seen before. But to rank it in the top 10. Now, when we get through this list, I'm going to do a quick scroll and see what they have underneath, like 11 down. Because I'm trying to think of the different movies that they would have had in, in this and why... Tron is registered higher than other ones, but we'll we'll get to that la- later on in the show. Um, now number eight is another one I like. I've seen this movie one time. The character does not read does not resonate with me, but when I see anything of this character, our mutual good buddy and power trip uh, member. Randy Sabretooth Schilling comes to mind when I think of this character or where something comes across my radar with this name on it. Flash Gordon. I love Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon is like the master of cheesy superhero movies. I love everything about this movie from the flying Valkyrie barbarian men to Ming the Merciless Ming the Merciless was just a badass character to begin with. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny because another superhero that didn't have any superpowers, all he was was a, a football player. You know, I I don't know enough about, about the character to, like, it just didn't resonate with me. And I feel like the reason why, and this is going to sound really stupid, and I understand why, and I understand it. I'm okay with that. I got him confused with the Flash. So when when I got when I was dialed into the Super Friends to the DC heroes, Flash was on my radar. The Flash. So when I heard Flash Gordon for the first time, and I turned this movie on, like I was 45 minutes into this motherfucker before I realized. The Flash is not showing up in this. This is the character. This is Flash on FanDuel Casino. You can play hundreds of games. Oh, commercials! What happened? <laughs> commercials! Damn commercials! I don't. I don't pay for that YouTube Premium bullshit. singing this song, Jason. Yeah. Uh, how could you not love that? I mean, just just that dun 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 dun. I mean, it's great. It's a fantastic theme song. Every time I hear it, I think of those flying Vikings surrounding Flash Gordon as they go to invade Ming the Merciless's lair. Love that movie, Jason. You need to watch it again. You, if you love cheese, you will love Flash Gordon. I hate cheese. 
<laughs> Damn it. All right. Everything's Ranger, better with cheese. Ranker just just compromised their credibility with me just now, just a second as I looked at this. Because full disclosure, we came into this not really having a topic on hand today. We weren't really sure what we were going to talk about. And then I found the list on, and I scrolled very quickly through it. And I'm like, okay, this is what it is. And I even mentioned this when Sean and I were talking about this off air. I'm like, this is one of the entries. But then I just looked and see when it was released. And it was released in 1990. So, Ranker, go fuck yourself. How are you going to have a list of 1980s superhero movies? But you plainly say right here that this motherfucker came out in 1990. It is a new year. It is a new decade. But it's The Punisher with Dolph Lundgren as the uh, the main character here. Are you familiar with the Punisher aside from the logo that's now plastered on, on everything? On every independent worker's wrestling gear, T-shirt, everything else? Yeah, I'm vehicles. familiar with the Punisher. But vehicles, yeah. Every independent wrestler's wrestling gear. <laughs> <laughs> the Punisher movie was a steaming, heaping pile of dog shit. It made He-Man and the Masters of the Universe look like a cinematic masterpiece. I hated The Punisher. Have you watched any of the new installments of The Punisher that I know has been updated in, in the more recent years? I watched uh, the one, I think it was probably in the early 2000s. I don't know who the dude was that played The Punisher. It was very forgettable, and I've tried watching the series, I think, that came out on Netflix, and that was dog shit as well. Uh, essentially, what they should have did with The Punisher was completely rip off the movie Commando. That would have made it so much better, but they didn't. Gotcha. Well, in keeping in theme with Dolph Lundgren... And we just made mention of this a moment ago. Oh, no shit. Number six, one of my personal faves, the Masters of the Universe. Yes. (sighs) This is what made me happy about this list. And even though the Punisher's entry into this pissed me off because it's in the wrong decade, they redeemed themselves by including Masters of of the Universe in the top ten. I... Not going to say that the Masters of the Universe movie is one of my favorites. I don't necessarily hate it. I could have done without Gwildor. I could have done with more of Orko. They didn't have Battle Cat. So, and by the way, Pope Brandon Bronson, your Gwildor is pretty spot on. I um. was going to ask you when you got done, did you happen to listen to this past Friday's episode of the Potato Pals perspective? Because Gwildor was mentioned in it. <laughs> Full friggin' disclosure. I'm shopping for groceries. Was it yesterday or day before yesterday? And Pope starts with his Gwildor impression. And I just stopped in the middle of the aisle and just busted out laughing. And I had three senior citizens stop and look at me like I was goddamn crazy. I just laughed, looked at all three of them, have a nice day. (laughs) Went about my shopping. (laughs) Can I tell you something that may potentially blow your mind? 
Okay. That wasn't Pope doing the the Gloldor impression. It's the cheese back there. It's the oh, really? It's the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! No. Yeah. <laughs> Gwildor! <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, man. You're welcome for that. <laughs> All right. Number five here on the list. Um, let's talk about sagas for a moment. You know, you get a multi-movie saga, especially when you get past Two, you start going into parts three, four, five, and beyond. You, uh, it, it can go off the rails a little bit. This one is a rare exception in my view, because it is a continuation of the story of one of the most iconic superheroes to have ever been created. I'm talking about Superman three. Superman three, in my opinion, does not get. The amount of love that it deserves when you consider Richard Pryor is in this thing and in 1983 when this movie came out now this was a uh, Richard Lester uh, project but when 80 when this movie came out Richard Pryor was very well established as one of America's raunchiest stand-up co comedians there ever was he was a fixture on Saturday Night Live and some of their most controversial skits to this day. Um, but his involvement in Superman 3 is really what puts this movie on the map because this could have been lost in the shuffle. It could have been one of those where you focused on one and two and the rest of them suck balls. This one, one, two, and three were good. Part four was not. You know, that's another story for another time. But Superman 3, in my opinion, Sean, and this is where we saw that weird sequence, weird at the time, where you had a baby-faced Clark Kent fighting a heel Superman for a moment in that movie. But Richard Pryor's involvement kept Superman very much on the uh, at, at the front of the line. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I'm looking for a character in here, and for some reason, was Gene Hackman, he was in Superman 3, right? I don't know if he wasn't. I know he was in 4 because he introduced us to Nuclear Man, but I don't think Hackman was in Part 3. I think um, they had brought another guy in as kind of the boss role that oversaw Richard Pryor's character. I, it's not Richard Burton. Oh, it's Robert Vaughn. There it is. Yep. Um, but there was one particular scene in that movie when I was a kid, when that movie came out, scared the shit out of me. And that's when the supercomputer that Richard Pryor built, uh, I think the woman's name was Mrs. Testmacher. And it turned her into a robot to fight Superman. Mm. You, 
Remember when she got sucked into the wall of the computer and started putting the circuitry all over her arms yeah. and everything else? Scared the hell out of me. But they couldn't have picked a better person to play Superman than Christopher Reeve. I mean, every Superman sense, not even close. Christopher Reeve is the epitome of what Superman was. Now, if only I could figure out who the guy was that played Clark Kent, I'd be doing really good. (laughs) (laughs) I maintain that, that Christopher Reeve... the dude is, was uber talented. The dude had a, a, a filmography a mile long, but it was the Superman role, and he almost got pigeonholed in that. Like, he became the face of that character, and that's a testament to him and his ability to... I remember the tagline. I remember reading the tagline for the very first Superman the movie that came out in 78, I believe. And the tagline on the front or the top of the poster says, you will believe he can fly. And they were absolutely right. The way they made that movie, you felt like, when, upon leaving, that there could actually be a flying alien in the form of Superman. For I mean, kids our age. Because he did it so well. And Brandon Roth, who played Superman in Superman Returns, is as close as you will get to Christopher Reeve because he dialed in on his mannerisms, the way he spoke, the way he acted. And, like, Superman Returns gets a lot of shit because not one punch was thrown in that movie. But the the acting in it between him, between uh, Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor... Um, was great, but you're absolutely right. Christopher Reeve will always be the Superman. Absolutely. Now, where you in on Supergirl? Because that comes in at number four here. So, Helen Slater, I had a huge crush on. Sure. And it wasn't necessarily because she played Supergirl. It was because she was the star in the movie The Legend of Billie Jean. And... Helen Slater in Supergirl, she had that whole girl-next-door look to her, the long blonde hair, the pretty blue eyes. But then when you got to Legend of Billie Jean and she chopped her hair off and had that whole punk rock look to her, there was something special about that. I know Supergirl gets a lot of shit, too, but, man, I thought they did a really good job with that movie. I did, too. You know, in terms, you know, obviously they made this to capitalize on the success of the Superman franchise at this point because three of the movies had already been out. Superman or Supergirl came out in 84. So the Superman movies were three chapters deep and 1987 would see Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, and that was just dog shit. But um, Super Supergirl, and I'm really surprised they didn't, expand more on this character i mean they did for the cw series and all that stuff but as far as the cinematic um releases and things of that nature i'm really surprised that we didn't see more supergirl movies or more batgirl movies because and i don't know if that was just the time and more people were dialed into the male superheroes and not so much on on the females 
but but in in that aspect i'm glad to see that there is a more much more of an emphasis on female superheroes but here in the early 80s man they had a golden opportunity to capitalize on this and they just did not it's because superheroes were geared towards boys the toy lines were geared towards boys and much like it's been brought up on this show before the toy lines that were geared for girls were preparing them for motherhood you know popples uh, cabbage patch kids um you haven't yeah. mentioned popples oh uh i, I, I don't popples. i forgot all about pop <laughs> Those were fucking cool, man. Yeah, popples were awesome. But I, I just don't think that they launched a toy line when they uh, brought out Supergirl. I don't remember any toys when they brought out Supergirl. But look at all the toys that came out with Superman. We'll have to get with uh, Tim Williams, who owns Classic Planet here in downtown Lapeer, and see if he has any... Um, any more knowledge on Supergirl toys and things of this nature, if that was a thing, because if anybody's got them, he's going to at least know about them, you know? So that might yeah. be so something to bring him on the show at some point to uh, kind, kind of touch on a little bit. And while he's on, you can always ask him if he's got any popples. I just, man, popples were so cool. And they were they were underutilized, underappreciated, and I hadn't thought about them until you said that. And I I just I popples and pound puppies, uh, just that was just a, a genre of of toys that really resonated apparently because until you said that, I was like, God damn. Well, we can get to it. Yeah, there was quick sidebar. What it was is that. Uh, toy companies were looking to get away from the video games and a lot of things were going the way of the stuffed animals because stuffed animals were like a guaranteed cash cow back then and the popples they were cool because they would turn into you you tuck them into themselves and they become a ball yeah. and that much i don't know about you but much like with my friends when we had our popples at school it became dodgeball you know or it became army i think that's what we used to call it like if I threw it at you and it hit you in the arm, you lost your arm. If I threw it at you and it hit you, yeah. You know, if you got hit in the head, well, you were obviously dead. You were dead. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's that's why stuffed animals became such a big thing. It's a step away from the video games because of the video game crash. Stuffed animals. Well, I don't know how to make an easy transition in, into this next entry on the list from Popples and Pound Puppies, even though that was a sidebar. But in 1987, we were treated to the start of a franchise that would, follow, that would mix science fiction with cutting-edge technology and a lot of uh, high-adrenaline-powered action, blood and guts, talking about RoboCop. Ah! I wasn't big on RoboCop when I was a kid. Is ah, uh, well, he was brought back from the dead, even though he didn't have any superpowers. So I don't know. He had a superpowered suit. I mean, the same argument could be made for Iron Man. Is Iron Man a superhero? I mean, it's just Tony Stark in a metal suit, much like how RoboCop was. Peter Weller in a metal suit. So. 
I, I would say, yeah. I mean, the argument could be made for Batman. Batman doesn't have any superpowers, but he's yet he's rich. That's a superpower? <laughs> According to Bruce Wayne. Oh, okay. We'll get to that here in a moment. Uh, but yeah. Robo I'm Batman. <laughs> Robocop is, uh, you know, one. Now, straight up, our demo at this time in 87, we were not the target for Robocop. It had a very no. hard R rating. It was very violent. The language was off the charts. Uh, we were not we were not the target audience at 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. Uh, this was very much geared towards on, on, you know the adults and stuff like that. But much like everything else in the 1980s, uh, if we wanted to find it, we would find it. If we wanted to see it, we would see it. Drop it. That are alive, you are coming with me. I had to. <laughs> One of the lines in Super or in RoboCop that resonates with me because you know it's almost like Judge Dredd. I'm the judge, the jury, and your executioner. Well, way to go, Mister Police Officer. <laughs> True story. <clears throat> now coming in at number two, I will agree with this at where it's at on this list because if I was ranking them, this would be my number two as well. Number two is Superman 2. General Zod. Zod. Kneel before Zod. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The, the girl that Zod was with, she was pretty intimidating. She she scared the shit out of me more than, than the big dude of the trio that didn't say anything. And he still didn't have full grasp of his powers until he did towards the end but at the day yeah, she was a nasty bitch yeah i mean that's the type of woman where if you were to walk into your classroom in 1985 and she was standing there you would have walked right back out and said fuck this <laughs> give me the f i i yeah. i'm not no no straight up superman 2 uh one of those that I, w I, I won't say it was better than the original Superman the movie. I would say it was on par with it. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a continuation of a story. The only thing I didn't care for was how Superman trapped them in the plastic wrap and sent them into outer space. Wasn't necessarily a fan of that. No. Or it wasn't Superman, it was the council yeah. that trapped them in the plastic wrap or whatever the hell it was. An interdimensional plate of glass or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Now, how badly do you have to fuck up to, for you and your two buddies to, to be encased in a piece of glass that is just floating among the universe? I mean, you must have been a real butthole in your day. You know what I mean? Well, wasn't it they were trying to take over the Grand Council or something like that? and they the government and take over Krypton. Yeah, they exiled them for grand treason or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because in reality, General Zod was trying to warn in his own way that that doom was coming. Right. And, you know, nobody would listen to him. Very much like Superman's father. He was condemned because he was trying to warn these people, look, 
this planet is going to explode and we need to do something. And I mean, Zod went a more uh, violent and, you know, overpowering way to go about it, which is why he wound up in, they, all three of them wound up in the situation that they did. But uh, their presence on Earth, I mean, they, they really did a great job in continuing that story, tying that loose end up from the very start of the first movie. And even with, you know, and uh, Lex Luthor was involved in this, but he was almost like, he was almost like the Bobby Heenan of, of the group. You know what I mean? Like he was their advocate, but at the end he gets his too. So be that as a thing. But I, I absolutely love Su- Superman too. Okay. So I know where we're going with number one. So I want to discuss a couple movies that aren't on this top 10 list before we reveal number one. Okay. okay. Yep. Why wasn't Popeye on here? So let me... Uh, oh, you're looking at your list. I'm going down what was below n- number 10. Um, why wasn't Popeye involved in, well, on this list? And I agree. Uh, he should have been. What I'm finding here, I, we've got Swamp Thing. We've got The Trial of the Incredible Hulk, which was a made-for-TV movie. Yeah, okay. Four at 13, The Toxic Avenger, The Incredible Hulk Returns. See, there's a lot of TV movies in on this list. Heavy Metal, Condor Man, Return of Swamp Thing, Moonwalker, Sheena. I mean, I'm now we're getting into Zapped. Like, well, I mean, what there is no Popeye on this list. Very interesting. And one that really sticks out, and it wasn't necessarily a popular superhero, but it definitely has a cult-like following to it. What have have you ever seen the movie, <clears throat> the movie The Wraith? No. So, make a long story short, this guy dies. He makes I don't know if he made a deal with the devil, but he comes back as Charlie Sheen. I mean, how bad his life got to be when you come back as Charlie Sheen. And he gets this super-powered car. Now, the car is where the cult-like following comes in. I think Joe Johnson talked about this on one of our past episodes. But he, he, he possesses like a superhero-like power, and he avenges his own death. And then gets back with his old girlfriend as Charlie Sheen. But still, the Wraith is uh, help. You know what else? Conan. Conan should have been a. That I'll I'll take a look. I would think so. At least one of them was. I feel like, but you're right. Why wasn't Conan? He was. He's like the. If you're gonna put Masters of the Universe on this list, why wouldn't you put Conan on there? 1982, Conan the Barbarian. Okay. Okay. Well, Ranker has fucked up again. I mean, and that was the good one with James Earl Jones. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Fuck you, Ranker. You fucked it up again. No Conan. No Popeye. No Swamp Thing. Adrian Barbeau was in that. I, I had such a thing for Adrian Barbeau. Really? Yeah. You remember her? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, let's face it. I got a booby fetish. She had big old boobies. So, if that just offended any of our female listeners, I'm a man, damn it. I like boobies. (laughs) All right. 
All right, well, I mean, number one, and you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this out if you've been listening to the show, it is Batman from 1980. I'm Batman. It's what really kick-started this resurgence in superhero movies. I feel like it can go back to this one. This is when shit got really popular because of the way it was presented. Tim Burton's adaptation of this character really put Batman in a more serious light. It wasn't over-the-top cartoony. It wasn't over-the-top obnoxious. It was taken more seriously. Now, the flip side of that, there was a lot of controversy because of how dark he filmed this movie. Now, not a lot of bright colors in this. Everything was more of your your black, your gray, your, your, your navy hues and tones, and it put Gotham City in a very less than stellar light but that was part of the charm of the movie and it, and it tapped into uh, a, an aspect of batman's personality that you and i didn't see on saturday mornings on the super friends hour uh it was like ooh, this guy has some serious mental issues which is what created this alter ego this persona the death of his parents um that's never mentioned in the cartoon. You know what I'm saying? So, um, this movie is a staple for a generation of fans that really can be pinpointed as the launch to not just explosion in the success of DC Comics, but residually Marvel Comics, too, because Marvel sees the success that Batman had and now we've got the Spider-Man, the Credible Hulk, the Captain America, now the Avengers. And now look what all that has has grown into. It's its own universe. But it started with Batman, in my opinion. Where, where are you at on this? Jack Nicholson. Oh, <laughs> I was about the Joker for you. Yeah, I mean, Smilex, his whole character... I mean, he took the Joker character and twisted it into his own form. It seems like much of what these modern actors have been doing here, you know, twisting the Joker around. What's his name? That Jared Leto guy and Heath Ledger. They all turned him into something else. But Jack Nicholson was the first who really tapped into something when he come up with Smile X. And, I mean, he was just so brutal. We didn't see anything like this. Like you said, in the cartoons. But this movie was just so dark and so gritty. And, I mean, the follow-ups, I mean, they weren't bad. Danny DeVito was great as the Penguin. I could have dealt without Arnold Schwarzenegger being Mr. Freeze. Um, Jim Carrey as the Riddler. Yeah, 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 you know. Um, But... I mean, they all landed their own unique take on the characters. Um, but Jack Nicholson, he's so, he, between him and Danny DeVito, they're two of my favorites yeah. in that whole Batman universe. Uh, but Jack just, you know, what, what, what's he say? Uh, put a smile on your face and the way he grins and looks at the camera. Man, I'm telling you. Uh, Michael Keaton, he played a good Batman. Um, the guy who played his butler did a good job. Yeah, uh, Michael Gaw uh, was his name. But, uh, yeah, it was all Jack Nicholson for me in that movie. 
I think it was, uh, you know, for me, and I get that. And in fact, I think he was nominated for for an Oscar for, for that. And that's the other thing that put this movie on uh, at the top of a lot of lists because it was taken more seriously. Jack Nicholson garnered an Oscar nomination for his portrayal of the Joker in this movie. And that spoke volumes to the harshest of critics. Uh, but you're uh, a lot of the points that you have made are absolutely spot on, and that's what makes Batman '89 such a special entry for for people. All these years later, when the announcement was made that they were bringing Michael Keaton back as Batman in the new Flash movie, dude, people lost their fucking minds. This is what they've been waiting for. Because they weren't interested in Val Kilmer and George Clooney and this Robert Patrick guy. Christian Bale did okay. Um, I was a big fan of Ben Affleck's rendition with the role. Um, But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Batman 89 just, it stands out for a number of different reasons for me. For our demographic, and like I wholeheartedly agree that this should be the number one movie on this list. No, opinion. I agree too. Val Kilmer was a pretty good Batman. Um, yeah, he just annoyed the fuck out of me. But I don't know huh? who annoyed me worse, him or, or George Clooney. The, the, uh, oh, I wasn't them. Clooney. No. You know, and I just thought of another character who was pretty good as the villain. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is Two Face. Yeah, he, yeah. he was good in that. Yeah. He was really good in that. Um, I wholeheartedly agree. Mr. Freeze. Uh, I didn't really give a shit about that. Uma Thurman's Poison Ivy is what did it for me in that one. Uh, yeah, but for a whole other reasons than her acting. Oh, no, no. She should have won an Oscar for... <laughs> <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer is uh, Catwoman. Was great, but I'm a yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer fan, too. Um, I you know I haven't seen her recently. I I don't even know what 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 she's up to nowadays. Have you seen her in anything recently, Michelle? No. I think last time I seen her in something was Higher Learning or something like that. That was probably the last film I seen her in. Yeah, yeah, she was hot. Uh, (laughs) Um, anything else you want to add to this list? I know they omitted Popeye. They omitted uh, Conan. Conan. Um, anything else stands out that they should have po- probably added in here? You know, I was I was going to go nuts when Suburban Commando wasn't on here, but then I looked it up. It came out in 91, yep. so Ranker was safe. Yep. So, <laughs> I don't know, man. There's just something about these lists. I just, I know everyone's got an opinion, but at the same time, Ranker's is always wrong. It's subjective. I mean, it is. But at the same time, who are the fuck are you polling? Who are you talking to? Are you talking to actual people who grew up in the 80s? If you're not, you need to stop making 80s lists. Because I go in here and I'll put in 1980s and there is a shit ton of content that comes up. But then I start going into it and I get down to like number four on these respective lists. I'm like, we're done here. This, you know, if I need to get out some aggression and I need to cut a promo on somebody, well, then this is where it comes into play, like listfoot.com. Uh, but, but be that as it may, uh, you know, 
anytime you tackle lists, you're 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 not you're not going to agree with everybody. Nobody, not everybody is going to agree with you. But that's what makes it fun, at least in my view. But they did get it right with Batman being number one on this one. I mean, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like I'm thinking of having like a superhero battle royal of the '80s in my head. So I know Conan would kick Howard the Duck's ass. Would kick every member in Tron's ass. Um, I, I think I think it would become become a stalemate between him and Flash Gordon, though. I mean, because Flash Gordon has the lasers, so he he would just shoot. And look, it'd be like that scene in Indiana Jones, the dude with the sword, and Indy just pulls out his pistol and shoots him. That, that's what would happen to Conan. So, Superman takes it all. I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah, Superman. I mean, if we're not judging movies, we're just basing it on characters. Superman would be the number one uh, up there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this was, uh, as always, this was a good time cutting down and breaking down somebody else's bullshit list. And, um, you know, if nothing else, hopefully we garnered a chuckle or two from, from the the listening audience and if nothing else you get to see these two faces and you know what more could you possibly ask for so i love that for you all <laughs> anything else you want to put out there pal before we uh put a bow on this uh you know i've had a lot of enlightenment over the last few days and when you do your tagline when you say be awesome to yourself, seriously, go out there and be awesome to yourself. If, if you're hurting, your body's trying to tell you something. Go to the doctor and get it checked out. It might cost you a few bucks, but in the end, the diagnosis you get could be priceless. It could save your life. And quite frankly, being awesome to yourself is what life is all about. Surrounding yourself with good people. Keeping yourself in good health. You know, and, and just enjoying life. If you don't have that going for you, then you got nothing. So go out, as Jason says, be awesome to yourself and each other. With that, we'll see you next time, next week, right here. Um, power tripping through the 80s on the PFC Entertainment Network.